0: The first reading is from Ezekiel, chapter 36, verses 22 to 28, and then 33 to 36. Therefore, say to the Israelites, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, it is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you verse 33. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. On the day I cleanse you from all your sins, I will resettle your towns and the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. They will say, this land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations around you that remain will know that I the Lord have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I the Lord have spoken and I will do it. The gospel reading is from John 17, starting at verse nine through to verse 23. I pray for them, I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not the root of the world, even as I am not of it. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me, even as you have loved me.
1: We're sharing glasses today. Um, (laughs) Thanks, Jen. Uh, so, you, you probably know Nathaniel's not with us today, he's uh, on a weekend away with Fountains Church, I think they're at Wydale, a uh, beautiful place, uh, so let's just pray for Nathaniel and the Fountains Church, that uh, Father God, we pray for that weekend that you'll be speaking to Fountains Church and you'll be blessing them, and blessing Nathaniel, we give thanks for Nathaniel for bringing him here to be uh, part of our fellowship here and leading us. Amen. So I'm going to ask Jamie, who's going to come and uh, speak to us about the passages. Right, is that working all right? Ah, yes. Hooray. The technology is cooperating. Um, let's, uh, let's pray. Father God, uh, we pray that you would work in our hearts and in our lives. We want more of your life within us. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, work in us so as to honour your Son, Jesus. And we pray that you'd send your Holy Spirit to cleanse us, to make us how you truly intended us to be. And we pray this, Lord, so that your name may be honoured, so that your creation and your world may be put right. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, um, what is eternal life? Uh, that's, that's the theme of our January sermons. And last week, Nathaniel was emphasizing, well, we read a passage in which Jesus made, made clear that it, eternal life is not about quantity of life. Or it's not just about quantity of life. Of course, it is about quantity of life. It's not defeated by death, but it's, a, but it's about quality of life. Um, and Jesus says, Eternal life is about knowing the Father and knowing Him. That's a change in the quality of life uh, when you receive eternal life. So, now why are we having this series? I thought it would be helpful to explain why we've chosen to have a series on this topic. And it's really because of some issues that we have frequently kind of kept bumping up against in discussions just between members of of, of the church family. And I think it would be good, it's good for us to confront this honestly. So Jesus says some things about eternal life, which don't seem to match our lived experience. Right, so that's that's really the issue that we've, in various conversations, been bumping up against. So let me explain what I mean by that. Jesus says things like: Whoever believes in me has passed from death to life. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So he's saying that when we believe in him, we immediately receive life. We stop being dead and we're alive. We stop being in darkness and are immediately in the light. We stop being hungry and thirsty and are in a place where we're never hungry and thirsty again, he says. Well, that's wonderful, but I think it's uncomfortable to to sort of hear Jesus saying those things because that doesn't seem to be quite matching up with our experience. Right, we do seem to, as we walk with the Lord over the long haul, it doesn't seem quite as though we're never hungry or thirsty again. We do seem to have experiences in our Christian life which seem a lot like being hungry and thirsty, or even being in the darkness rather than in the light. Life doesn't seem to be one, even when we're walking with the Lord, of being constantly f- full to the brim. So how can we understand what eternal life is? And remember, it's Jesus who has said these things. How can we make sense of what Jesus says, but also make sense of our actual experience of the Christian life? So that's basically why we're having this series. And remember, eternal life is the thing that we're holding out to our neighbours, to our friends, and to our family. And so if, we, if you like, we go with our experience and think, well, eternal life is just this sort of same old mixture of joys and sorrows that everybody had all along, that doesn't sound much like good news that would be worth holding out to, to everyone. So how can the eternal life that Jesus brings be life and light and fullness, even though walking with Jesus is still complicated? Right, well, let's have have a look at our gospel reading. And it comes immediately after, actually, the passage uh, that we looked at with Nathaniel last week, um, in which he says eternal life, if you like, starts now. And it's about walking with him and knowing him. So in this passage that we just heard read, Jesus prays for believers, for their life following him. What can we learn from his prayer? So it's a rather complicated prayer. I'm not going to go through it sort of bit by bit. It's quite hard to understand. I don't know whether anybody else thought that as it was being read through. It's quite, it's not easy to understand that prayer, I think. But what can we learn from it about the eternal life that Jesus gives? And I just want to bring out some simple points. So there's a sort of selected highlights, if you like, from that passage. He says, Holy Father, protect them. So God's protection is something that Jesus sees as being part of the Christian life. I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. So Jesus' joy is supposed to be part of um, the the, the Christian life as well. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them. So two more things there. God's word taking root in us, and opposition and hostility from people around us. They are not of the world any more than uh, than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Okay, so we're not to expect that these things just disappear. They're going to carry on, these difficulties. But the Lord's protection is something we would expect in eternal life. Sanctify them by the truth. So that means make the disciples holy, make us holy. So we would expect growing holiness and godliness to be part of the Christian life. And that's something to do with God's word taking root in us. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, so this is for us as well as those original disciples, that they may be one father. Okay, so an increasing love for other Christians, others who belong with us in the family of God. That's something else that we might expect from the Christian life. I've given them the glory that you gave me. Somehow the Christian life is supposed to be, maybe in a not obvious way, glorious. Uh, and that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me. And then the world will know that you sent me. So when all of this happens, something happens beyond us in the world around us. That people come to recognize the Lord's work and his voice and come to uh, receive him. Uh, the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So there's an experience of God's love that's part of eternal life. Okay, so without understanding even the whole prayer, we can see that there are at least some features here of what eternal life means. So I've separated them out into two sort of little lists, the things that I've highlighted. So some stuff going on around us, that God's protection uh, and God's glory persecution, but also more positively, others coming to believe, but some stuff going on within us, an experience of joy, an experience of holiness and godliness growing in us, unity with believers or a growing love for other Christians, and God's word taking root, and an experience of God's love. Okay, so I want to focus on that second set of things, what's going on inside of us when we're following Jesus. So what I would like now is could you take a couple of minutes to uh, chat with the person next to you maybe in, in twos or threes just um, just whoever's nearby. What is your experience of any of these things? Have you recognized any of these things happening in yourself or in Others round about that you have, that you have seen. Do we, have we spotted any of this going on? Any of these things that Jesus leads us in his prayer to expect? Have you seen any of this? Uh, so just a couple of minutes. Have you seen anything? God's joy, God's love, growing holiness, God's word taking root, or a growing love for believers. Have you seen something of that in your own life or in the lives of others around you? A couple of minutes um, sharing experience with, with one another. Just a quick burst of conversation. Feel free to uh, learn more about how the Lord's life is growing in one another's lives uh, after the uh, after the service. Look, I hope I hope those. Con- I mean, kind of nice to hear that there's the stuff to say um, would have been perhaps worrying had there been a sort of oh no, never seen anything like that um, stony silence. Hopefully, what that has shown us. Um, is that God is already, God's work has already started in us. Right? These things are things that we recognize. And our Old Testament reading shows us why this is so significant. And maybe it gives, our Old Testament reading gives a hint as to why all of this is something glorious. Even though it's kind of everyday, there's something glorious about it. And the reason it's glorious is because of how God's work in us fits into his plan. Okay, now the story is told of how a child one day asked their mother, children ask very good questions sometimes, don't they? So this child asked their mother, Mommy, what does God do all day? What does God do all day? Well, Mother paused, collected her thoughts, and after a while answered, he mends broken things. That's a pretty good answer, don't you think? What does God do all day? He mends broken things. God, fundamentally, right at the center of God's plan, I think, is that he's mending his creation. That is in a nutshell, what God's plan is all about. He made us to walk with him, but we turned away. And walking away from God is a kind of death. Our hearts harden and we become dead to his voice. And Israel's story, the story of the people of Israel, shows us that even if God comes alongside us and tells us exactly what to do, gives us all the guidance and steering that we need, we still can't do it. That, I think, is, if you like, in a nutshell, the big story of Israel. God's chosen people end up just like everyone else. Despite all of those privileges and all of that guidance, they end up dead to the Lord, in darkness, far from him, and things going wrong. And the sort of fancy summary of that is they end up in exile. Far from God, in darkness, dead to the Lord, things going wrong. And that's where our Ezekiel 36 passage that we heard read comes in. God promises to deal with their sin. So in verse 25 he says, I will cleanse you, and so on. But the thing is, he promises something else, not just dealing with their sins, but dealing with their sinfulness, their tendency to go wrong and to run from him. So he says in verse 26, I will give you a new heart, a new spirit, taking out the stony hardened heart and putting in a soft heart of flesh. God is promising to enter into his people, to enter into us. To change our hearts, to live inside us by his spirit and help us obey him. Because we can't do it on our own. And this, in fact, is being properly human, right? Being properly human isn't having a stone heart, it's having a fleshy heart. How we are now, you see, isn't really being properly human, because we've gone hard. We're not properly human. But the more that the Lord lives in us, the more human we become. The more our hearts become proper flesh. We become more properly human, and in fact we become more properly ourselves. It's a weird thought actually, because the more God's life takes root in us, and the more he does things in us, strangely, the more we become ourselves at the same time. It's more of him, but it's also somehow, it's more us. It's more the real us. Not just more truly human, but more truly us. And it's important, I think, to see that this... Um, well, and that's the only way, in fact, that, that, that we can turn the tide on the corruption in our hearts that messes up our lives, but messes up our creation and our world as well. And it's important to see, I think, that this has two stages So stage one is coming alive. And stage two, if you like, is growing and bearing fruit. So coming alive happens straight away. That happens in an instant, if you like, the moment we encounter the Lord and respond to him, we receive eternal life. That makes us alive. But as any farmer or any gardener will tell you, growing takes time. Or as any parent knows, Growing takes time, and it's a complicated business, and bearing fruit takes time. Let's look at, then at what happens as the Lord transforms us. So this is, if you like, why is this so important? So let's, let's look at the, the, the last verses that we had in the Ezekiel passage, verses 33 to 36. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. On the day I cleanse you from all your sins, I will resettle your towns and the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. And they will then say, this land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. I wonder if you can see what Ezekiel is talking about here is a new creation. The places that were formless and void, that were in ruins without proper structure and formless and were empty are going to be rebuilt to have form and structure, and they're going to be populated and filled. It's a new creation that he's talking about. Uh, Trees and crops will be fruitful and famine will be no more. That's actually in the verses that we missed out in the reading. And it's become, I wonder if you noticed, like the Garden of Eden. Like the Garden of Eden. When God mends things in our hearts, It's like a new creation. It's God's way of rebuilding and restoring his creation. When God restores his people's hearts, the natural environment is renewed. So if we care about climate change and the natural environment, we need to be praying that the Lord renews our hearts because the center of his plan is the renewal of hearts, one by one, and that's the way in which renewal is going to come to the wider world. When God restores people's hearts, the natural environment is renewed. Pagan nations recognize the Lord's work. So those who don't know the Lord recognize his hand. And human culture is put right under the Lord's rule. But it all starts with God's own people mending our hearts, making us properly human again, one by one. It starts, if you like, like like a small seed, a mustard seed maybe. So our experience of eternal life, our slow growth in holiness, our slowly growing experience of the Lord's life inside us. So maybe that the joy or the experience of um, God's love within us is sort of, like a crackly radio station that isn't quite coming through. It's coming through now, but we seem to have lost it the next moment. Our slowly growing experience of the Lord's life in us is actually a central part in the Lord's plan for the whole of his world. He's mending broken things, one by one. How can we join in with his work? I think that's, that's our kind of takeaway. How can we join in? This is something he's doing and he's determined to do. How can we join in? Um, and I don't know whether you, you can see, I think we've uncovered here something of why it's glorious. When the Lord works, even in this quiet way, there's something glorious about it. How can we join in? Well, in the New Testament, Galatians, Paul in Galatians 6 talks about the fruit of God's Holy Spirit at work inside us. Fruit. So it's as though it's this sort of natural process that just, you know, leave the tree or the vine or the raspberry came to it and it will just naturally and organically produce fruit. Great, we'll leave the Lord to it and fruit will appear in our, our lives. A natural organic process. Well, it is a natural, organic process, and it is a result of the Lord's life in us. But Paul also tells us, basically, to cooperate with it. He says, live by the Spirit, sow to the Spirit. In that very same passage, he says God's going to do it by his Spirit bearing fruit in you, but he also says cooperate, basically. <laughs> um, join in, live by the Spirit, So to the Spirit. How can we cooperate with the Lord's work? How can we grow in holiness? And that's the challenge actually that I want us to think about. Seriously, what's our next steps? How can we cooperate with the Lord's work inside us, in our hearts? I've got two suggestions. You'll probably have your your own suggestions. Here are my suggestions so that we can, if you like, each of us form a plan for what the next step might be. That's the challenge. How can we join in with the Lord's glorious work. What's our our part to join in? So here's the first suggestion. Uh, I'm actually not a very tidy person. In fact, I'm pretty untidy, left to my own devices. And if you want any confirmation of that assertion, you can ask Hazel, uh, and I'm sure she'd be very happy to confirm I'm not a very tidy person. But look, here's the thing. I'm not what I was, um, and what's made the de- why am I less untidy than I used to be? Because see, if you if you right, that's that's the answer. I've been hanging around with Hazel, uh, and I've been trying to impress her for, for some years now, uh, and that's basically that sort of rubbed off on me a, a bit. Uh, but, but at least a bit. all right. So that's the same with the Lord. How are we going to get to be more like Him? Well, we need to hang around with Him, and we need to be concerned to impress Him or to please Him. The Apostle John said, um, The Apostle John said that we are God's children, and although we're not like Him now, one day we will be like Him, because do you know this verse? because we will see him as he is. So the more we hang around with somebody and see them face to face, the more we get a little bit more like them um, day by day. So we need to make it our business to hang around with the Lord, make time for being with him, um, and make it our aim to please him. How can we do that more? Second suggested strategy is to have a think about what, what's the area in which you need to grow in holiness and godliness? What's next for you in growing to be more like Christ? Then pray about it and try and cooperate with God, what God is doing. Now, in our, in our home, just, um, just next to uh, where we eat, we've got this um, sort of piece of wood, which is sort of slightly obscured here. So, so it's sort of a piece of driftwood, very artistic, four nice hooks on it, looks lovely. On each of these, um, on each hook, there's like a, the, um, there's for each of us, uh, a slate indicating the fruit of the Holy Spirit that we think it would be good for each of us to develop in the coming year. So at the beginning of January, we'll have a little discussion as to what would be the fruit of the Spirit that in, for each of the four of us, it would be good to see more of us developing over the coming year. Okay. Now, last year, mine was patience. Uh, this year, mine is patience. And it wasn't hard for me to identify that that was the fruit uh, of the spirit that it would be good for me to grow in. But if if I had been in any doubt, uh, the rest of the family were very happy to confirm that, yes, that would be the one it would be good for me to grow in. So I'm praying for more patience in my life and in my behaviour, particularly in the family, And in a kind of way, I'm working on it. I'm trying to cooperate with what the Lord is doing in my life and in my heart. But it's also true that I can't do it, right? Just like the rest of humanity, just like Israel, I can't do it, actually. Um, It will be God's spirit, his new life within me that gives the growth. So what about you? How can you grow in holiness? You can feed the life of God's presence inside you. How can you feed the life of God's presence inside you, softening up your stony heart and making you more fully human and more fully you? How can you do that? Take a moment now to think, what, what might be the next step for you? What might be the next step? Is there something that you can do to know the Lord more uh, this year? So that his character rubs off on you. Is there something you could do that would enable you to be closer to the Lord, spending more time with him, hanging around with him more? Is there something you could do like that? And what's the next area for growth for you? To pray for. Is it patience, like with me? To be praying for more patience in your life and to, to, to look for growth in that area. Just take a moment. What, what's next for you in the growth of the Lord's life within you? Because as the Lord's life grows in us, our hearts will be renewed one by one and that is the Lord's plan for bringing blessing beyond us, to our neighbours, our family, our communities, and to the natural environment, to societal injustices, to the, world, to, to the world around us. But it starts with the human heart, and it starts with our heart. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your plan Thank you that you've not abandoned your creation and you've not abandoned us. But what we've been talking about is an expression of your love for us. We can't save ourselves and we can't put ourselves right, Lord. But your life growing within us can put things right. We're not stuck. Lord, we pray for more of your life within us. Holy Spirit, come and take hold of us more and more. Grow us. Soften our hearts. Make us more fully human. And make us more fully ourselves. As your life grows and grows within us. In Jesus' name, Amen.